Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse, on your way to work, at the gym, wherever and whenever you have time to get updated. Please remember that this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Stay tuned for additional disclosures at the end of today's episode. So, are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode. Hope everyone is doing well. Like, share, subscribe. 2023 is almost done. Uh, Josh, how are you? I'm good, Sam. I'm good. It's weird that you say that 2023 is nearly done. I'm not sure where the year has gone. Um, but a good year, all in all, I think, for, for markets and uh, and in life. Um, can't complain. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's flown by. Uh, and actually, next week's episode... Uh, we're going to talk about some predictions for 2024. So do tune in for that. This week, we'll talk about the Bitcoin ETF because uh, the deadline's approaching. We'll also talk about the PCE number, which is out this Friday, and the influence that it might have on the Fed's next decision. Uh, and Nike earnings are out this week as well. So I thought we might as well just do it. Um, thoughts? Yeah, sounds sounds good to me. Um yeah, probably, you know, in that wrap up to Christmas kind of slows down a little bit. But I think those are probably, you know, the, the three topics that, you know, those market watchers that are still here uh, are going to be uh, sort of keeping an eye on. Yeah, I'm sure everyone is is well indulging in silly season right now and logged off for the year. I don't blame you. Uh, first up then for us, let's talk about this deadline uh, for the Bitcoin ETF. It's not too far away. I think 10th of January. Uh, and you know that's just a few weeks how are we looking uh, ahead of that at the moment yeah well i mean firstly what a year it was for bitcoin in mm-hmm. 2023 you know gained more than 150 percent kind of really stole the sort of the limelight somewhat um obviously we you know we had some huge moves from the likes of nvidia but as sort of asset classes go sort of a real bounce back uh for the ages um but much of that has been driven by this growing optimism that we will see uh, a Bitcoin spot ETF accepted by the SEC, obviously in the US. And that sort of real turning point for Bitcoin this year was um, when the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, filed for that spot Bitcoin ETF. And that was on the 13th of June. We'd already had a great start to the year, but this was sort of the next real catalyst, uh, the, next, the next sort of real push to, to sort of get us to where we are now, which is sort of around that $40,000 level. Mm. And I think the reason this was so significant at the time, because the SEC had basically rejected every application for a Bitcoin spot ETF over the last 10 years. But the the sort of the important point of that is that BlackRock basically have an almost perfect ETF application record. So they have a scorecard of 571 accepted applications and just one rejected applications. So on paper, uh, the numbers look pretty good. So that's where that sort of optimism is coming from. When you have a, a name such as uh, BlackRock that have you know ten trillion, that's going to put excitement in. But it's that sort of view that this is actually going to get over the line for the first time. And there's been lots of amendments to these applications, and I think that's why we're sort of more confident that we will see this done. Um, but again, it's that leap from decentralized finance into sort of the traditional finance world, and we're getting closer to that. Um, you know, US regulators are going to have to decide whether to sort of basically green light a physically backed Bitcoin ETF. We do have a futures ETF at the moment, uh, but not quite the same, obviously, as a, a sort of a um, a spot ETF. 
But initially, the, the decisions are going to be made on, on that 10th of January, as you say. It's going to be on Kathy mm-hmm. Wood's ARK Invest uh, and 21 shares. Those are the names that had their sort of application first in this year. Um, but that also may be the date that signals sort of the ruling on the other applications. So there's a little bit of speculation that if they accept those applications on the same day, uh, then they'll just go, cool, right? Everyone can just have a spot ETF. There's one for you, one for you. Everyone's going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, but... For BlackRock, their decision actually is actually on the 15th of January, but that isn't the final deadline. The SEC could actually push this back to the 15th of March, but Bloomberg analysts predict a 90% chance that Mm. a Bitcoin spot ETF will be approved in January. So those are pretty good numbers. Um, And... We, we've seen a lot of movement from, you know, the SEC around this uh, sort of launch of an ETF. And and I think, again, the, the sort of the broad view here is that we are going to get a Bitcoin spot ETF in 2024. Um, and why is it so significant? Because, again, it allows those traditional money managers to buy digital assets with greater ease, you know, for their clients through an ETF. Um, a simple way to view it is basically a bridge from traditional finance to decentralized finance. It's an easier way. It's a, it's a, a regulated way because, as we know, crypto is still an unregulated asset to buy this asset class. Um, and ultimately, a Bitcoin spot ETF would be an entry for institutional funds. So pension funds, hedge funds, asset managers that have so far sat on the sidelines. And I think those level of funds that we're talking about there just can't be underestimated. I mentioned just BlackRock alone, $10 trillion assets under management. You know, you think about all the other wealth managers in the world. This opens up a huge opportunity. And I think the acceptance is, as I say, that that nod from the regulators, a uh, bit of a nod of approval when They've previously been tough on this asset class, and I think it helps build legitimacy, and I think it helps build trust in crypto. Um, so I think, bottom line, Bitcoin ETFs are, are sort of a net good for crypto, and I think they could be a major step in the wide-scale adoption of sort of Bitcoin and, and broadly more more, uh, more more crypto assets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, today, just randomly, we're filming this or recording this, whether you're watching YouTube or listening, on the, the 20th of december uh, it's up at 43k just above but it is obviously worth saying that as we get to silly season aka when people are off over december that liquidity in all markets is gonna you know tire out a little bit so some moves can be you know uh you know sort of exasperated exasperated in both ways to the upside and the downside so if you do see any days for any particular markets where you've got you know, bigger moves than you would normally see. It could just be down to the the lower liquidity. So there's something to bear in mind. But 10th of January, the the date to keep an eye on. But of course, they got something in their back pocket to push back if they needed to the 15th of March. Our middle subject today uh, is talking about the PCE release on Friday. I mean, we had the FOMC meeting last week. Uh, pretty much all central banks have now done for the rest of the year. Markets are looked in the States anywhere near all time highs. Um, can this number really influence what the Fed are doing next? Uh, or because this release is so close to Christmas, do people just not care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe everyone's just sort of switched off. I think Jerome Powell might have checked out. He's had a pretty big year, hasn't he? So blame maybe, yeah, just just take Christmas off, buddy. You're fine. <laughs> um, don't worry about inflation. It will just run <laughs> rampant. Um, look, I think it's 
the, the key data point of this week, given that, you know, it's not a huge schedule, um, but it is the Fed's favoured sort of gauge on inflation. So I think it's it's one to sort of keep an eye on. We've got expectations for 0.2% uh, month over month, um, and that will to basically take year on year rate down to about 3.4%. But the annualised rate of PCE over the last six months um, is expected to rise by only 2%, which is exactly on the Fed's inflation target. And I think that milestone there, if reached on Friday, might be the reason why Powell sort of made that dovish pivot uh, at the meeting last week. So I think that's something to sort of keep an eye on. And it will be the number that we look at this week. But both ends of this, right? If the data comes in better than expected, you know, the market is going to call bluff on the Fed speakers at the end of last week, right? Because we did, we, we had Jerome Powell, we had that sort of dovish pivot, we had all of this, and then we actually had Fed officials go, oh, let's not get carried away here. Let's sort of put this market in check. Um, you know, let's say, you know, actually we don't, we're not talking about rate cuts yet. You know, it's crazy. Well, we've already seen your your forecast for next year and you're, you're forecasting three rate cuts. So look, the market is is basically not believing what the Fed speakers are saying. And if we get better than expected data this week, the market is going to continue to sort of run away with a view that we're going to have a cut in March and we're going to, have to see five to six cuts next year, which may be pretty bullish um, in most books. Uh, we're probably not going to get to, to five or six cuts next year, but uh, that's what the market's thinking at the moment. And as I say, if that data comes in as it should. But then on the other side of the coin, if that data is slightly hotter than expected, um, that that view of a cut in March is going to be pushed back. Um, and until today, I mean, the S&P 500, I think, finished down about one and a half, two percent today. But before today, the S&P hadn't fallen by more than one percent since the October 26th. That's, right. That's a massive winning streak. And the index in that time had gained 15 percent. So I think we, you know, we, the market is set up, I think, a little bit for a bit of downside pressure. And especially if we get a stronger number on that PCE, um, I just think you've you've got to expect a, a bit of weakness on on the downside. So bottom line, a, a really important reading um, for the view on rates, but also that sort of broader market sentiment as we sort of head into Christmas. You know, as you say, that liquidity, um, you know, we, we, we spoke about sort of those moves being exasperated. I think we could see that on Friday, depending on what we get. I don't think it's going to be a huge move, but I think more to the downside, there's more risk to the downside to the upside. We haven't got a lot of room to the upside, given that we've gained 15% since October, but there's certainly some room here to, to sort of sell off if we don't get a number that the market likes. Um, but then we've also got a massive January ahead. You've got Q4 yep. earnings season that's going to kick in into sort of full swing. And that's going to be a really important number. Um, we want to see earnings growth there, strong earnings growth to sort of really help markets at the start of the year. Got US primary elections kicking off. So we might not have a massive end to the year, but it's definitely going to be a busy start to next. We could say that again. Uh, you did a much better job at saying exasperated than I did. So well done there, Josh. Um, and yeah, it's uh, a bit of love for the Bears today. I think it's been a tough time for them as of late. Uh, 32 trading days without a 1% pullback. That's the longest streak since 2020. Eighth longest in a decade. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on that PCE number on Friday. I'm sure you'll all be doing your Christmas shopping or uh, enjoying yourselves but uh, do keep a watch on that uh, the inflation rate out of the uk came out this morning and it was down to 3.9 percent so a lot of people saying fantastic everything's going down it's going to be cheaper that's obviously not how it works prices are just going up 
by less than what they were, but they're still going up 3.9%. Uh, we need deflation for obviously prices to, to go down. So uh, yeah, a little bit of good news, I guess, for the UK that we're trending lower. Rishi Sunak is deciding to take all the credit, uh, but that won't surprise too many people. Uh, our last subject today is Nike. Uh, and we've covered this on the podcast before uh, at random times, not during earnings season, because as we've mentioned, they like to sort of release their earnings away from the crowd after the market close on Thursday is when they're releasing it. So time is going to be roughly, you know, just after 9 p.m. UK time uh, is when they're going to. Uh, and they made a low. Let's not forget here back in September, their share price uh, made a new low for the year. However, since then, what we now middle to end of December, it's recovered about 30 percent off of those lows. So if you timed it well, you're happy. Uh, if you've held from the beginning of the year, not so much. But uh, yeah, 30% roughly, give or take, from those lows. Um, however, if we are to get back to the 2021 all-time high that it had, uh, it's still going to have to almost double from where we are. And that was when it was trading around $180 a share. Before we get to the the nitty-gritty on the report, there's a couple of levels technically I think people would want to focus on. I posted on my Twitter yesterday or a couple of days ago at Sam North underscore 07. We're getting squeezed from both directions, from the top and the bottom. Um, so do check that out. At the same time, 130 uh, is a pretty good line in the sand for the Bears and the Bulls to batter it out. So where we're trading at the end of the week could, could be pretty telling. And, and actually what I quite like to do when we have an earnings release or we have a uh, big data dump or whatever it might be is look after the event or look at the next day and see where are we trading. Let the market actually tell you what's going on because anyone that trades the data or is looking to trade the data will know that it can be incredibly volatile. The algos get involved first and then sometimes it goes exactly back to where it was or it's not until you know later on that you actually get that real move so that there's no harm in you know looking in thursday seeing how it reacts and actually not making a decision till friday or next week or if you want you know you've already logged off for the year or wait to january uh what will get us higher or lower from uh this report well the first thing to note is that we have been moving higher i mentioned we're 30 percent off of those lows so got to think about that if we have a inline report or a little bit better than what we're expecting can the market really go that much higher probably not we're pricing in it to for it to be quite good so i think for us to go higher it's got to be a lot better than expected so if the headline numbers come in in line or lower uh, then i don't think you'd have too many people certainly in the sort of short to medium term camp that would be staying long uh, following on from that, heading into the the release, Nike is is in a bit of a tricky scenario. It's expected Nike's revenue is actually going to increase, but their earnings are going to go lower. Uh, I mean, it feels like a broken record at the moment when you hear this from companies. But they're saying inflation has led to increased prices for raw materials and production expenses, and obviously that's going to impact the, those profit margins. Fair enough. I mean, it's just an excuse at this point, isn't it? Uh, you've also seen a decrease in consumer demand which means lower sales volume despite potential revenue increase. Now, Nike have also decided to lower some of their prices, which in theory you'd think would stimulate sales, but also it's going to impact those profit margins. So they're a bit of a catch-22 there. Um, but as with many companies, it's also going to be pretty important to see how they perform during the holiday season. Of course, we had you know Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Thanksgiving week. We're heading into Christmas now. So it'd be interesting to see you know, looking back to see how they have done and what they think 
going forward into next year i mean for for many companies it, it typically accounts for substantial parts of their their sales and, and nike is no different there so keep a uh, a watch on that um one thing to to note and i'm sure any golf fans have been aware of this is is that tiger woods is rumored to be leaving golf which to me is just mental saying that out loud i think they uh, haven't learned from getting rid of Roger Federer. I'm not sure they got rid of anything. Federer decided to leave. But I heard on the grapevine a while back that Nike were taking a step back from tennis and golf anyway. Uh, but surely you just keep, you know, Nike going for Tiger Woods' sake. Uh, but yeah, the rumour is that that's going to be the end of that. I mean, Nike make around 69% of their revenue through footwear. 27% coming through clothing uh, and just under 4% from equipment. You know, while those numbers are going to be pre pretty consistent, probably won't change. I think it's a big risk to the monetary value of those if they lose probably the biggest sportsman on the planet in the last sort of, I mean, maybe Ronaldo's up there, I guess. You could probably have LeBron James statement. if you wanted to. But, you know, for the last 30, 40 years, you know, has there been anyone that much bigger? Obviously, MJ's in there as well. The rumour, I, I think, is a, a company called Grayson. Uh, that he might be going towards, but I'm sure you know Woods can demand whatever he wants, a bit of equity. I know they Federer got some, and I think his uh, when on running went public. I think it it meant that he got over 300 million because of that. So I'm sure Tiger Woods will be thinking. But imagine that Nike and, and Tiger Woods breaking up, Josh. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it it just all I can think about is you know when he when the when the ball just tipped him. The advert, yeah. Just, I mean, it's literally, literally it just goes. It wasn't the even an advert. Yeah, the real thing. Yeah, it was a real moment, and then obviously, yeah, just unbelievable. And you just see the little Nike tick, and then just oh, the ball just drops in. Couldn't write. It's it. just an iconic moment. But yeah, I think when I ever, whenever I think about these sort of types of moments, I just instantly go to well, who else can afford this person? Yeah. Who else can afford the status of Tiger Woods? And there's probably not many. We can talk about maybe Puma. We could maybe talk about Adidas in the mm. mix there. But none of those are real. I mean, Puma's maybe in the golf scene, Adidas a little bit as well. But we're talking huge, huge numbers here. Um, yeah. For, for, for a man of this magnitude, basically. So it's hard to see anyone sort of trying to match the numbers. But again, Nike have, as you say, really sort of moved away from golf over the last couple of years. It was mm. initially they stopped producing clubs, which yeah. was a devastating moment for me because I just, I think their clubs were fantastic. Um, well, I just love their clubs. They just look good as well. Yeah. Um, and then it's just, I think they're just starting to sort of dwindle down on that really. Maybe just because they're sort of letting tailor-made and those other sort of real, you know, golf-centric um names do their thing but yeah i think um i think he's i think he's going to probably struggle to get the money he did at, at nike uh elsewhere over the years but maybe he just wants that all-in-one he just keeps wearing the clothes and yeah. maybe he just wants everything all in one place yeah i'm sure someone will will sign him up and give him some sort of equity that means when they if they do go public which obviously would be that company's plan that he'll be rewarded very, very generously. Uh, but yeah, gutting news, gutting news. Um, Josh, though, we'll wrap it there for today. As mentioned, uh, next episode is going to be some predictions for next year. So get thinking. Yeah, going to have a little think, think up, um, see what's ahead for 2024, have that crystal ball out and uh, make some predictions. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, everyone, and see you soon. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.
This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results.